attentive. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Wisdom. Brethren, if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together to be condemned. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were heathen, you were led astray to dumb idols, however you may have been moved. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in every one. Hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is the Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew. Let us be attentive. Jesus saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and take in the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Then he made the disciples get into the boat 
and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The miracle Jesus performed in this morning's gospel that we just heard is certainly one of the most famous and well-known of all of his miracles. It is reported to us even by all four of the evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, St. Matthew's account being the version of the miracle that we just heard. When we think about the feeding of the 5,000 in the wilderness and with just five loaves of bread and two fish, our minds stopped there, thinking that the point of the story is simply to show maybe just Jesus' miraculous power, that he can do such a wonder. And while, of course, this is true to a degree, there is so much more to be learned if we just examine the text a little further. Starting at the beginning of the story, it tells us where the miracle took place. Most English translations say that Christ, his disciples, and the crowds were in a lonely place. But this isn't really the true meaning or literal translation of the Greek word erimos, which means they were in the middle of a desert or the middle of the wilderness. So the feeding of the 5,000 took place in the middle of nowhere, where there is no food, where there is no drink, where all one can do is depend on God. Now when else was it that a great multitude of people was in the desert with nothing to eat, but were miraculously provided for? When else was it that we can think about such an instance. Our minds should immediately go back to the book of Exodus, to chapter 16. Here we are told that after God had delivered the people of Israel out of the bondage in Egypt, then all the ungrateful people could do was constantly complain against God that they had no food to eat in the desert. But God, in his infinite mercy and compassion, was certainly patient and long-suffering with his people, not looking upon the ingratitude. And so he sent them food. He sent them heavenly food indeed, as it says, called manna, bread from heaven. So this wasn't any ordinary bread, but the food of angels, light like a wafer and even sweet as honey, as it is described. The wisdom of Solomon talking about this incident, even says that it was pleasant and suited to every taste, this miraculous manna, tasting very good and enjoyable to everyone who ate it. It could be that it even tasted 
like every single person's favorite food. Who knows what it was like? Here we see the Lord's compassion for human frailty and that he doesn't ignore even our physical needs. So just as Christ provided heavenly bread for the wandering Israelites in the wilderness in a wondrous manner in that Old Testament account, so also did he wondrously feed the 5,000 in the wilderness. This connection between the New Testament account of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the people of Israel in the wilderness with the manna is certainly implied by Matthew, by Mark, and by Luke. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes the connection explicit and uses the miracle he just performed to lead the people above, to lead them from earthly things to heavenly things, from bodily needs to spiritual needs. The people were hungry, so Jesus indeed fed them. But then what does he do? He goes on to teach them that there is something much more important than just bread for the stomach. By feeding their body, he now goes on to nourish their spirit. By the way, as an aside here, manna is a funny word. It is a Hebrew word that in context actually is a question. Manna means, what is it? This is because when the Israelites looked at the manna spread over the ground, they didn't know what it was. So they called it manna. What is it? As I've already said, other parts of the scripture called manna heavenly bread and the food of angels. So in one sense, manna is bread. It is physical food for the body. And again, God provides for our physical needs. Turning to the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, we come to a second meaning of the miracle to be learned. That text reads, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know what it was, that God might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here is the second level that we are raised to. What bread is to the body, the word of God is to the soul. Bread nourishes our body, makes us grow, strengthens us, gives us energy, and so on. So what does the Word of God, which is the teaching and working and operation of the Holy Spirit, do for us? It, too, feeds, nourishes, strengthens, and energizes, but it does these things to the soul. It enlivens our spirit. It causes our spiritual senses to function properly. It protects us from both physical and spiritual harm. Therefore, meditation on the Holy Scriptures is as essential to the soul as food is for the body. So we should not neglect ever spiritual reading of some sort, my brothers and sisters, 
For even Jesus himself quoted the above text from Deuteronomy when he was battling the devil in the wilderness, when Satan himself tempted Christ when he was very hungry with physical bread, we know what Christ's response was. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is food for the soul. As Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now returning to the sixth chapter of John, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, a discussion arises concerning the manna given in the wilderness, the Old Testament account. Jesus is trying to teach the people to believe in him as the Son of God, but they are seeking even more proof. The expected Messiah was supposed to reproduce that miracle of the manna, and they wanted to see him do it in order to believe in him, as if feeding the 5,000 was just a few loaves of bread wasn't enough. Jesus' response to their murmuring and unbelief is amazing and really out of the blue, unexpected, and takes us to the third level of what this story aims to teach us. He said, I am the bread of life, the bread which came down from heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Here his listeners are certainly bewildered. What man has ever called his flesh living and heavenly bread. But Jesus goes even further and says, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We are now at the deepest and most mystical meaning of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and of what the manna was a foreshadowing of. Jesus has led us from physical bread to the spiritual nourishment of the Word of God to the spiritual table of the Eucharist, the heavenly banquet, the Lord's mystical supper. He is the bread which is continually coming down from heaven to feed us at every divine liturgy. He is the bread multiplied in order to feed all of us, the bread which is never exhausted. This mystical bread is more than physical and spiritual nourishment because it is life itself. It is the life sown in us, planted in us, that will lead to the resurrection of our own flesh and to eternal and immortal life. Christ's divinized flesh is sown in us like a seed ready to burst forth with new life. This is why Christ said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Christ's flesh is food indeed, and his blood is true drink indeed. And to him be the thanksgiving, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.